turned me into a dog. Can you believe this? And you're invited too! Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Obscurities. I'm your co-host and sister Melissa. I'm your co-host and brother Jams. And welcome to the podcast where we look back on beloved and often obscure media from our childhoods. This week we are talking about the Disney Channel original movie Phantom of the Megaplex. How have you been this week, Jams? Uh, I've been pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good. 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 Let's do, let's jump right into uh, what's new Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah. Mel, Mel, what's new Scooby-Doo with you? Uh, it's it's a what's old Scooby-Doo with me. I went back and Ooh. watched a, a favorite beloved film. I got my first vaccine shot yesterday. Yes. Which made, yeah, it, which made me sleepy. That was my only side effect from this one. I mean, my arm's a little sore, but not debilitatingly sore. And I just got like 20% sleepier than I usually am. Uh, It's (laughs) so all I wanted to do was just lie on the couch and watch a movie. And I wanted to watch a movie that it was okay if I fell asleep for like an hour in the middle of it. So Mm -hmm. I put on (laughs) the Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. Dude, that's such a good choice for sleeping too. Exactly. Not not just because between us that we've watched that so many times, specifically the first mm. one. We watched the yeah. first one a lot. Because um, it's oldest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's just a good vibe to sleep to. No one really yells too much to wake you up. It's all pretty monotone <laughs> until you get to a battle scene. Yeah. Nice vibes. Yeah. And it's, and it's so long. It's like yeah. three and a half hours. I can miss an hour of it, and I've, I'm still seeing most of the movie. I know it so well. It's been a great revisit, and then I'm going to save uh, Two Towers and Return of the King for after my second shot, when I will probably oh. be more sleepy. <laughs> a nice treat. Right, yeah. I have like eight hours of media I don't necessarily have to pay attention to to look forward to. That's nice. Are you going <laughs> to use the commentary? Ooh, I could. Ju- I've just been watching these on HBMO, HBMO, H- HBMO Max. <laughs> I've been watching these on BMO Bank Max. <laughs> Hubble, Hubble Bubble Max. <laughs> so I'm not watching them on the DVDs. But yeah, maybe I'll set my my Blu-ray player up and get some of those commentaries in. I still remember the commentaries so specifically like i'll see a shot and i'll remember somebody saying now this is actually a pickup shot that we recorded months later (laughs) i still remember where all of the chapter stops on the dvds were watching it on hbo max is a new revelation because you get to see the last scene of disc one and the first scene of disc two just flow into each other naturally oh yeah that's (laughs) i'm like i've never seen these be immediately after each other before i have to stop and change the disc (laughs) <laughs> you saw them in theaters though yeah but i don't remember if those were theatrical scenes or not i do not remember the theatrical versions what's the point of them anymore <laughs> they're not existent i'm not going there anymore <laughs> they're a moot point <laughs> excellent that's that's nice mm-hmm. what's new scooby-doo with you uh well so we're recording this in the beginning of april uh mm. April has been a busy month for new shows. Oh. Uh, 
so much that I'm just watching a whole lot of stuff right now. Like mm-hmm. uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is coming out right yeah. now. Uh, the Invincible show, the adaptation of uh, Robert Kirkman's the Invincible comics. Mm-hmm. That show is so good on Amazon Prime. It's like <laughs> just a great adaptation. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of new anime coming out right now. The new season of My Hero Academia is coming out. Oh, uh, what season are they on now? Season five. Okay. And uh, yeah, just a lot of new anime just started. So I've just I've just been watching a lot. But I have uh, started to, uh, when I have downtime, rewatch the How to Train Your Dragon series. Ah, oh, an excellent choice. Yeah, I I put on the music at work the other day since we we're tired of lo-fi hip hop, and <laughs> listen to those scores and like man. It's so iconic. I, I've missed mm-hmm. it so much. I haven't watched the third yeah. one yet, but it's... it's yeah, I haven't good. seen it before. You haven't seen the third one? No, I never got around to it. I've This is a, a show, I uh, a movie series I've been meaning to revisit like as a whole thing. Like Maybe mm-hmm. I'll pitch it to Kyle for the review show sometime, and I just haven't gotten to it. You'd think that me doing like a media discussion show would lead to me watching things more often, no, it just gets put on a never-ending list of, oh, I'll pitch that sometime. And it just gets, like, t- pushed down and down. I get to everything eventually on, like, a three-year cycle. That's too long. Yeah. Well, uh, if you do watch all of it, that's a lot to watch. Because it's not just the three movies. There's a TV show between the three movies. Yes. Like, one for one between one and two, and between two and three and there's like holiday specials and stuff. There's a lot oh, yeah. to go, go into the yeah. show. I, I'm just watching the movies. I dare not try that. But yeah, you guys would have to do like a Patreon for something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just talking movies. Perhaps we'll yeah. get into the TV show eventually. Cool. Uh, to, yeah. Today we're talking about uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. Mel, this is something that's been uh, in your wheelhouse for a long time. Do you want to talk about... Yeah your history with this and how this movie affects you? This is my favorite Disney Channel original movie. With all respect to the big ones, your Halloween town, your high school musical. I just watched Brink for the first time earlier this year. Didn't grow (laughs) up with Brink, but Brink is delightful. I love this one. And it's like never in the list of anybody's favorites. I feel like this one isn't super well remembered. Yeah, it's not the first thing everyone remembers when you're talking about Disney Channel original movies, but yeah. it should be. It's <laughs> I think it's great. Uh it, one thing I really like about it is that it's aspirational for me even now as a, a 30-year-old adult with a, a successful office job. It's an aspirational. <laughs> I can like look back to myself at like 10 years old and know that I wanted to do this when I got older. I love stories of a kid who is in an adult job and they shouldn't be there, but they're taking it very seriously. What are the other examples of this trope? <laughs> uh, I don't know. George Michael and the banana stand. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure there's more. I just love every time a child has wandered into a position that clearly an adult should be doing. And like they're not and there's some mischief, but also they're like, no, I really take this seriously. I am the assistant manager of this movie theater and I am 16 years old. With that in mind, what do you think about the movie Boss Baby? (laughs) That's too young. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I've never seen Boss Baby. <laughs> I don't know what he does. I don't know what his business is. I don't know what, what like, stocks, real stocks? estate. Uh, I don't know. It's the business of making money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's already got his own college fund uh, set away. I can respect that. I didn't have that at age eight months. Does Boss Baby yeah. have a name? You know... <laughs> <laughs> I I can't think of what it would be because <laughs> Boss Baby is such a good name. The only thing Everything that comes to mind a... is Alec Baldwin, but that's the man. Yeah, they could just name him Alec. <laughs> Any other name is a letdown. Yes. His, name's, his name can't be like Brandon. <laughs> Brandon Boss Baby Smith. Everyone's just going to call you Boss Baby. What? <laughs> Yeah, this is a movie about uh, a movie theater and all of the teens who work at the movie theater. And there's like two adults and they can't be relied on. And so it's mostly the teens doing very important theater work and getting in way over their heads with not only running a movie theater, they're running a movie theater hosting a big Hollywood premiere. And, you know, there's that phantom from the title. So they also have to solve a mystery. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the IMDb description is, a young man working at a cinema on a special premiere night finds that the films being shown are full of strange and eerie occurrences. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's the summary pretty much. Uh, what are your memories of this movie? Um, I, you know, I don't know if this would be in my top 10 of Disney Channel original movies, but it, it's, it's not at the bottom 10, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I don't. I remember this specifically as being your favorite movie. So thank you. I you were taking plenty of care of it. So I'm like, I'll leave that movie with her, and, and I'll and I'll worry I, about like under wraps and other movies. Yeah, I'm here to nurture Phantom of the Megaplex, and you're here to nurture Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Honestly, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Uh, my date with the president's daughter. All the yes. date movies are pretty fine in In the Woodhouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, we'll do, uh, oh, we should definitely do a ranking episode of Disney Channel original movies. Or like a there's, fantasy. Oh, there's like 136 of them. Or let's like do, a fantasy we'll one, draft. Yeah, we'll do a fantasy draft of, of okay. DCOMs. Okay. Let's put that in our back pocket. There's a lot I'd have to rewatch, but I can do that. We don't have to rewatch them. We're just talking about uh, if we did like yeah, a fantasy I... draft for like our 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 movie night, and we'll say like I don't know four to five movies. Okay, so it's just a movie I would program into a movie night, so it doesn't have to be one I'm familiar with. Because like no. I think I like Don't Look Under the Bed, but I barely remember what happens in it besides that they go under a bed. <laughs> it's it's. That's a, that's another really good one. That would probably I'd probably steal that one too. Uh, but yeah, we'll do that in the future. Um, but right now, we need to talk about the facts of this movie. Tell us. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> All right. Fan of the Megaplex released in two thousand. This is a twenty-one year old movie. It can drink. Uh, directed oh by Blair by Blair True, uh, T R E U. I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Written by Stu Krieger, who has written a lot of other uh, DCOMs. Music by Bill Elliott. 
a notable actress for this. The there's not a lot of normally for notable actors we talk about voice actors for cartoons. Um, for mm-hmm. this one, Mickey Rooney is the biggest name in this movie. Uh, yeah, really famous famous Hollywood actor, big name in like the 30s and 40s and 50s, like a like a big actor acted in a lot of bit parts and a lot of big roles. Um, yeah, most notable, uh, t- Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I don't know the rest of these. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world is like the top thing on his IMDb. Yeah, like I'm sure he's all over Turner classic movies. Like I remember exactly. seeing this movie as a kid and I'm like, oh, yeah, Mickey Rooney. Like I knew him from the world. But if you ask me now, what's Mickey Rooney's top film role? I'm like, yeah, it is Phantom of the Megaplex. I, yeah. <laughs> as far that's, as yeah, I know. That's, that's what like, he did. Like you, when you're a kid, like you know an actor is like from adult movies, and then you're an adult, and you're like, I still haven't seen those. I still just watch the one from my childhood over and over again. Yeah, never honestly. got to the rest of this man's career. You mean Jim Carrey from uh, Batman versus Robin and Days of Unfortunate <laughs> Events? Versus Robin. Is it that? Is it the other one? <laughs> no, they they weren't fighting. It's not oh. Batman v. Robin. Batman and- Batman and Robin, sorry. God, I wish it was. <laughs> oh, the nipple Get battle. Batman v. Robin. Other notable actors from this movie. Uh, Corrine uh, Borer is the mm-hmm. mom in this movie. Uh, she's She does a lot of work as an actress. Uh, she's in Veronica <laughs> Mars. Uh, oh. As uh, Leanne Mars, I assume a family member of Veronica. Uh, she was in The Flash as uh, Zoe Clark, a.k.a. Prank, in the old Flash show and the new Flash show. I like. Oh, very nice. Uh, but yeah, she's she's. you would definitely recognize her if you saw her. She's a very good character actor. Yeah, uh, she seemed familiar to me beyond just all the times I've seen this movie. Yeah. And aside from them, uh, so a lot of the actors and actresses in this movie continue to work. Like, a lot of them are still working today. Which you you love to see, um, good. But as but as far as like relevant to like what we talk about on the show, the sister in this movie, uh, played by Caitlin W A C H H W A C H S Wax or Wait Wax with Wax. I don't know. Uh, she played Penny in Inspector Gadget too. Oh, that's nice. Penny's a, yeah. an excellent heroine. Yeah, so yeah, you would know her from that. Uh, and this would be the part of the podcast where we would normally talk about the intro, but this is a movie. There's no intro. So let's just get right into it. <laughs> so the movie starts with our hero, Pete. Uh, Pete is 17 years old, and he is the mm-hmm. youngest assistant manager that the 26-screen Cotton Hills Grand Megaplex has ever had. Uh, I looked this up. I looked up the largest movie theater in the world, and it's only 25 screens. So... <laughs> This is a this fantasy tw- movie. Yeah, for a, a teenager to be in charge of a 26-screen theater is quite a feat. <laughs> I didn't see if the 25-screen theater was assistant managed by a teen. Should have looked that up. Uh, he's know. narrating uh, the history of this theater and how once, years ago, like the original theater, I think, burned down. And there might have been somebody still inside when it burned down. And then his ghost haunted us. And so now every time anything goes wrong, we always, you know, jokingly blame the Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah, a nice end joke. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and this day, uh, a massive, uh, like a big Hollywood blockbuster movie called Midnight Madness is going to have its premiere at this theater, which is in I don't, some little town somewhere called Cotton Hills. But the star of the movie, this is where she grew up. So she arranged to have this premiere at her home theater. And so there's all of these teens running around, getting the theater ready, and we meet the rest of our cast. This movie is a huge cast. Get ready for us yeah. to mention like 18 people. Yeah. Uh, we have Ricky Leary, a.k.a. Ricky Rules, the kid who knows every single rule in the rule book and will cite them at you. Mm-hmm. We have Terry Tortora, a.k.a. Scary Terry, the girl who knows every urban legend. It's like, I heard that one time kids were putting up a banner and they died in this horrible way. Yeah, I love Scary Terry. <laughs> she might be the best one. Yeah. Uh, there's Hillary Horan, a.k.a. Hillary Honey, described as like your grandma in a teenage body. <laughs> and that she just calls everybody sweetie and honey. And she's very, very nice and wholesome. Yeah. Uh, Mark Jeffries, a.k.a. Question Mark. Like you're like, Mark, sweep the floor. And he's like, me? Sweep? With this? With this broom? Me? <laughs> Lacey Ling, a.k.a. Racy Lacey, because she talks fast and does everything fast. And Merle, a.k.a. Merle, uh, the one adult man employee who is the projectionist. And also Just a surly forget, guy uh, in a Hawaiian shirt. Can't forget movie Mason as well. Yes, and movie Mason, Mickey Rooney himself, a man whose family used to own this movie theater, and he hangs around there, but he does not work there. But he still shows up every day, dressed in a nice little suit, and he makes up his own schedule, and he gives it to uh, Sean McGibbon, the manager of the theater. Like, here's my schedule for the week, Sean, and Sean's like, you don't work here, and puts the schedule in the trash in full sight of movie Mason, who laughs. He's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Sean. <laughs> Uh, now, Mel, I have, I have an important question for you. Yes. Tag yourself. Tag myself. Are, which of these characters are you? Oh, God. I'll probably question mark. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm probably... I, I want to be a Scary Terry, but I'm probably Merle. old man who thinks he works here yeah no not no not movie mason merle the oh the, merle i'm sorry yeah. an old man who does work there yes. yeah I, I think you have a lot more whimsy in your life than merle merle does not like his job yeah that's true i do like my job i uh, think he likes being uh the only adult besides sean in a, a wave of teens he likes this I don't know. I feel like he has some sort of self-importance. Like, look, you guys listen to me. I've oh, gotcha. been here for like 20 years. Gotcha. It's nice to see, it's nice to see all of these fresh faces again uh, after not watching this movie for a while. I do like all of these characters, and I like that they have like Holes-style na- nicknames. <laughs> like yeah. once you start working at this movie theater, they pick the one trait about you that they can remember and name you after that. Yeah. I do love that. 
So they're setting up for the premiere. Uh, it's like the morning. They're setting up like the big spotlights that go outside. They do a lot of jobs that I'm certain not just the employees of the theater would do. I imagine yeah. there might be like, like you don't have your own spotlight. You would have hired that from some company that rents them out and they probably sent somebody to set up the spotlight. But no, here are the kids doing it themselves. They're doing it like, I don't know like what time it is because they it's still the like- morning. Okay, so like they're all doing it in like plain clothes, like out of uniform. They have uniforms yeah. later, and they're just like hanging out and doing this. And I wasn't sure yeah. if they're doing this like pro bono or part of work. I don't. I think they're doing it before hours, so they're like on the clock, but they don't have to be in uniform yet. And then we see Pete go home, and like he eats oh, breakfast, yeah. he changes, and then they go to you know because a movie showing doesn't start until like you know eleven thirty anyway. Then they go right. back to the theater. They work a full day's worth of work. The theater operates like normal up until they've got this big movie premiere at like night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when, when night at nights. <laughs> like it keeps getting prolonged. I don't know what time it was originally supposed to start. Maybe like nine. I don't know. But we see yeah. Pete. He goes home. We meet his mom. Uh, I think his mom's name is Julie. He's got a younger sister and brother. This is Karen and Brian. And the whole the kids are all obsessed with movies. Their dad died some time ago. They're not sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they were sad, but they're not sad about it now. They were sad about it, supposedly. Like, I'm just letting the, <laughs> letting the listener know this isn't like a tragedy that hangs over the family. No, they had it. <laughs> they're pretty chill about it. Like, the they're... mom is dating a, dating a new guy, and mm-hmm. the kids are all like, we love him. Why, don't, why doesn't he propose to yeah. you? What are you waiting for, mom? Yeah, it is, it is a nice change of pace to see a family that has been, that has moved on after the death of a beloved parent. They're well adjusted to this change in their life and they're ready for new changes. Yeah, that doesn't ever happen in a kid's movie. It's nice to see. <laughs> so, and his brother and sister are obsessed with movies because their dad loved movies. Yeah, uh, es- and especially Brian. He's like a big cinephile. Mm-hmm. They, they've seen a lot. He saw more movies than we had by the time we were that age. Yeah. He, like, he and almost, like, talks in, like, movie references. Almost exclusively. Have you seen that episode of Star Trek? Uh, yes! Dar- Darmok and Jalad? Yes, yes! Darmok yeah, at Tanakra. Like, yeah, it's like that Brian is like, <laughs> this is just like uh, Judson's Revenge at Kevin Eastman. <laughs> Which, by the way, he referenced this is this movie earlier or later in the movie. Uh, it's just like in Judson. Judson's. It's just like in Judson's Revenge when the character Kevin Eastman does this, and I'm like, Kevin Eastman is the creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Why did you just name drop him? Named after a friend. Yeah, I, I hope. Hmm. Uh, Mom likes movies fine she's not as into them as the rest of the family she can never remember any movie title or actor name accurately and she's worried about pete she thinks he works too much and he's like look i'm making great money i love i like my the responsibility of my job i am up to do this nobody makes me go there that often but she's still like okay honey but i'm glad you're responsible but you need time to be young you need time off don't burn yourself out when you're 17 years old sitting here eating cereal out of the biggest bowl i've ever seen (laughs) 
It's like a big ceramic bowl. I was very worried. It's because I couldn't tell if it was cereal or just like like hamburger, like just meat. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, he's eating out of a huge ceramic salad bowl for like an entire dinner party. This is a hungry boy. Yeah. He needs the energy of Captain Crunch to fuel him throughout an entire day of assistant managing a movie theater. As near as I can tell, this is the only meal he gets for the day. Right? I think this is the only time he eats. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's very proud of his assistant manager role. So I mm-hmm. don't see him, like, taking a lunch break. I see him working through lunch. Yeah, we don't see anybody, like, pull a cliff bar out of their pocket. No. They run these teens ragged. Nobody's just eat like taking a break to eat one of the hot dogs. No, did they? Have There's so dogs? much popcorn around. There's a scene later in the movie where they make too much popcorn on accident. Nobody has any. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Just start eating. This is a Scooby Doo <laughs> problem. <laughs> so Pete goes back to work. Uh, it's the night of this big premiere, and also just for one of the regular other movies that the theater is continuing to show this day. Uh, He's a crush on a girl named Caitlin from his school, and Caitlin's going to be there, and she's bringing her friend Lisa. So he's like, okay, I got to watch out for Caitlin when she gets here and, like, make sure she gets good service. You know, I'm trying to impress this girl. So he has to do that, prepare for this premiere. Uh, Karen and Brian are also there at the theater. Uh, (laughs) Mom was like, drive your brother and sister to the theater. I'll come pick them up later. Yeah, Brian well, is I go on there... a hot date with George. <laughs> hot date with George. Uh, <laughs> Brian is there to see a movie called Farmer Brown Goes to Town. Yeah. <laughs> which I can only imagine from the clips that we see in the movie what this could possibly be about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Caitlin wants to see... Or not Caitlin, what's, what's her name? Karen? Karen. Karen wants to see University of Death <laughs> starring a cute teen boy that she has a crush on. Phil Dalton. Phil yeah, Dalton. but she's like, what a name. L- like lying to her mom. Her mom doesn't want her to see University of Death. She's going to sneak in with her friends. But she's like, no, yeah. I'm going with Brian to see Farmer Brown goes to town. So she's got a scheme. There's all kind of machinations in the theater this evening. Yes. W- would you like Would you like me to read the list of every fake movie title they mention in this film? Because I wrote all of them down. Oh, my God. I thought about writing all of them down, but I was like a quarter into the movie and i'm like it's too late i'm not going back <laughs> uh, i got yes. him yes please. we have always a bridesmaid blank screen maybe baby farmer brown goes to town university of death featuring phil dalton glimpses of genevieve waldorf's <laughs> revenge flood power <laughs> penguins for olympic glory laughlin's dream featuring jacob johnson judson's revenge Cut to Black, which at some point somebody mentions is our most popular movie. Hmm. Martian Mountain, Cyclone Summer, Merlin on Mars, <laughs> Officer Bean, Talented Teen 2. Oh my god. Tag yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Officer Bean. <laughs> the Last Woodcarver, Crow Catchers, Dead and Gone, and Huey's Cove. How many movies was that? Oh, uh... Was that 26? 9, 10... That could have been 26, but... 21. One movie for every year old the movie is. (laughs) We watched this the right year. (laughs) 
I love the amount of detail packed into this movie. That was something else that really stuck with me. Mm. They do invent so much. There's so many characters in it. And like every character also has a nickname or somebody commonly gets their name wrong. They made up all these actors. They made up all of these movies. This is such a dense decom. Theoretically, this was filmed in a real tin screen uh, movie theater in Toronto called the Eaton Center. But there's no pictures I could find of this theater to explain how buck wild of a building this is. There's like <laughs> steps that go into it, and then there's escalators, uh, yeah. and then somehow there's there's these this many screens, and, yeah, and neon, they, it, neon everywhere. It's a great looking set. I love the set too. I love that this movie is dense and compact. Like it takes mm-hmm. place in one day, largely in one setting. Everybody's just running around this one theater all night, like getting into back rooms they're not supposed to be in. It's so sneaky. I love sneaking. <laughs> These were things uh, I aspired to as a kid, professionalism and sneaking. <laughs> How much did that you succeed in that later in life? Uh, I, I got this office job where I do frequently need to pretend to be other people. So <laughs> Sneaking? Why do you yeah. need to pretend to be other people? Oh, like I cover for really my coworkers for when work? they're gone. I cover for my coworkers when they're gone and like I sign the emails under their name. Like that's what we do. And oh, I have to like proxy in um, other people's accounts to get work done. So I'm constantly like putting on the mask of being somebody else. <laughs> Sneaky. <laughs> Sneaky <laughs> professionalism. Yes. It came true. So they get to the theater and uh, half of the staff members have flaked out since the morning meeting to hang up banners and spotlights and things. And so now it's just the, our main characters, who we, all our named characters we've already been introduced to, and maybe like three other anonymous people. Mm-hmm. And they're so short-staffed that Sean McGibbon's like, I've canceled all breaks and dinners. You are yeah. working on the clock. Oh yeah, and so Sean he doesn't McGibbon, eat for the rest of the movie. <laughs> right, nobody eats. Nobody needs to eat. That's the magic of the movies. <laughs> Sean McGibbon, he's been determined to get like the general manager position. And the movie theater is owned by a man named Wolfgang Niedermeyer, who uh, he was man of the year, according to Theater Managers <laughs> magazine. <laughs> not, and, not manager of the year, man of the year. <laughs> to theater managers magazine no other position within a theater so like merle the projectionist he can't subscribe to this magazine he's not allowed how snooty <laughs> but sean mcgibbon's trying to impress niedermeyer like get this promotion and niedermeyer does not care about him constantly forgets his name calls him the wrong name and at some point we find out that he gave that general manager position to his son-in-law Lamonica. Something LaMonica. And there's a point where Sean McGiven is like so frustrated, like so mad that that's got, that guy's going to show up and like take over his business. And he's like, that waste of sweat, LaMonica. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> they are so short staffed that McGibbon actually does draft movie Mason. Like, tonight you are a real employee. 
put this little bow tie on. You you do work for me. You're being called up to the big leagues this one night. Shoot your shot. And what he does with this, what he does with this responsibility, they're like, you can rip tickets. Like that's that's easy enough for you to do it. And he's they find out that he's holding up the line. Things keep going wrong all night. And one of them is, why is the line all backed up? And they go up there, and it's because Movie Mason is like trying to talk people out of going into movies he doesn't think are good. <laughs> Which is kind of rude to the movies. And, like, they already bought the ticket. Like, what are you going to do? Make them go buy a different ticket for glimpses of Genevieve? Because you think <laughs> Cyclone Summer is trashy? Glimpses of Cyclone Genevieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think this is also the part of the movie where uh, we meet the, the, the love interest, Caitlin, uh, uh-huh. and her friends. They come up. And there's like a, like a quick little like teen flirting situation. Meanwhile, uh, Karen and Brian have shown up, and they're like, Brian's like, let me get some of this floating candy. There's, it's like I see floating in that it's just like an island of candy next to the uh, uh, the concession stand. That's mm-hmm. just like a big tube full of candy that you open up a spout and like fill yeah. a bag of candy. I assume you then go and buy the candy. And not just take it. Yeah, or like maybe you buy the bag at the counter and then you go up to this dispenser. I've seen stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, is this where we meet the, the bad guy? Or not the bad guy, the oh, bully yeah. for the first time? <laughs> yeah, we meet uh, Donnie Holly, who yeah. is a bully from school, who Pete has been competing with his entire life, and he also has a crush on Caitlin. Also, he's got, like, another friend who follows him around, and I don't think that guy has a name or says anything. But just no. be aware that he has a lackey. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, he's he's classic bully, uh, you know, slicked back hair, necklace, evil man. <laughs> uh, and so, like, Brian uh, goes to, like, open up this, like, uh, candy spigot, and mm-hmm. it, like, pops off in his hand. He's like, uh, I don't know what I did. I'm a little kid, and I broke something. Uh, mm-hmm. And they look over at Pete, and he's talking to Caitlin. They're like, well, we can't talk to him now. I don't want to embarrass him. And then uh, Donnie comes up, and this would have been a perfect moment for a, a villain, not a villain, I guess, a bully to show a human side. Because he says, yeah. like, what's wrong, kid? And Brian's like, I broke this. I don't know what to do. And Donnie's like, oh, it's okay. You just got to put it back on. And for a second, it feels like he's going to do the, like a nice thing and help this mm-hmm. kid out. But he just breaks it further, and then all the little balls of candy go everywhere, and people mm-hmm. start slipping on them like marbles. Ah, uh, classic. Good mayhem. Yeah. So, but then Pete saves the day, because he grabs a, a hockey stick off of... This theater is full of these big cardboard displays for movies. He grabs a hockey stick uh, off of the display for Power Penguins for Olympic Glory. And he like shoots all of the, the, the rogue candy into a trash can and then all the people cheer. <laughs> yes, something that wouldn't happen. There's a lot of things in here that just <laughs> wouldn't happen. I, I feel like I'd clap for that and be the one person clapping for that. Maybe when he's done, but like, <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot. There's like he misses a lot. Like you're, sh- you're <laughs> trying to shotgun candy into a big uh, trash can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this happens now or like earlier or later, but uh, Donnie also tries to like mess with Pete and, mm-hmm. and like you know, just be mean to him generally. Uh, and then Pete has to like leave for something and Donnie looks at him and says, 
why does that dog make it so easy for me to rattle his cage? <laughs> Which is just a quintessential 90s, early 2000s bully phrase. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he is a fine example, a textbook example of a 90s movie bully. Even yes. though he is like the the third most important foe, like he really doesn't do much. He's just around to sort of sneer and be an, yeah. an impending threat that doesn't really. He's not in the climax of the movie. I don't know where he goes. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. At some point in the movie, there's a there's this prop that you can play with in the lobby where you can like line up and take a tug at the sword and the stone. Yeah, for but Merlin course, on Mars. Yeah, but of course it's you know it's a it's a ripoff. It only pulls out every ten thousandth tug. So, uh-huh. uh, but Donnie gets it, and the, and he's like, "Well, how about I stay for the movie for the big movie period?" And they're like, "Uh, no, it's sold out." And he's like, "Well, why don't I don't understand." They're like, "No, that's a fire hazard." <laughs> and and Pete is like, "I will kick you out." And then an emergency happens. He's like, "I will come back, and then I will kick you out." And then you don't see. Yeah, him and then again. we, do- yeah, presumably he decided to just leave. Yeah. Which is probably the best end of his uh, <laughs> his character. He doesn't like show up at the end after Pete's won the day and be like, "By the way, you can have Caitlin." <laughs> I'm in love with my Which friend. He's not here. in charge of anyway. <laughs> no. He doesn't really do anything, but I do appreciate what he adds to the chaos of this film and how many people are in it. Let's get to the final two characters we have to introduce. Oh yes. Until we get to the actual movie premiere, because then more new characters arrive with that. But the characters who are in the theater for just the day are Mm. Karen's two friends that she's meeting to sneak in a University of Death with. I don't remember if they have names, but they're entertaining. (laughs) When she's in the theater, and and something else. We already have Lacey. That's Racy Lacey. I don't know what her friends are. Maybe I wrote their names down. I don't know. Then it was something I E. I think. Yeah, I don't know. But they're fun. When they're in the theater, one of them dares Karen to stand up and shout, I love Phil Dalton! And Karen doesn't do it. So instead, the friend stands up and says, I'm Karen Riley and I love Phil Dalton! <laughs> that should have been something for our scavenger hunts we used to do. <laughs> Just go into a movie theater and shout, I love Phil Dalton. My name's Karen Riley and I love Phil Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Carved into a tree stump. Karen Riley loves Phil Dalton. Speaking of uh, speaking of stuff from our past, uh, this is this feels a lot like we have we had like a regal movie theater, yeah, pretty close to our house growing up. It was in the a, a mm-hmm. mall that is now dead. Uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot of our friends group worked at this movie theater. So mm-hmm. it kind of felt it was kind of like a different version of the theater kids. It was yeah. not the kids that did theater, but the kids that worked at the theater. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite stories from them was they whenever they were working session, there's so much that you need to say to someone like like at the end of your spiel that they would just mm-hmm. throw things in at the end and people just would like not not notice it at all. Like, yeah. Here's here's your medium drink. Your total is this. There's hammer on my waist. Uh, will let me cash your card? <laughs> like Patrick definitely used to do that. Uh, just throw do in. Remember, 
do you remember how jokingly up until the release of the Dark Knight Rises, we kept calling it the Wayne Knight Rises? Yes. Vividly. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Tam took us to go see that and he's paying for the tickets, I think he said, I'd like four tickets for the Wayne Knight Rises, please. And the cashier <laughs> did not bat an eye. Absolutely, sir. Four tickets. Four tickets for the Poseidon Adventure, please. <laughs> Oh. I think when anyway. I went to go see Les Miserables, I did ask for a ticket to Sad Haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and that made the person stop and ask, I don't know exactly what that is. <laughs> nice try, but what? <laughs> oh, that's good. So let's talk about uh, the phantom activity, the core yeah. conflict of the film. So yeah, the <laughs> before this point, they have never seen a phantom he's only been the running joke but mm. all of a sudden things start going wrong <laughs> to what? be fair i've also never seen a phantom <laughs> never <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so how okay. would i know if i did uh no one would believe you <laughs> and you would become a protagonist and win the day <laughs> But yeah, so a lot of things just start going wrong. Pete gets start getting pulled from theater to theater, from problem mm-hmm. to problem. And like, Sean disappears when they need help from Sean. Yeah. Uh, Niedermeyer calls and they're like, I don't know where Sean is. We'll go look for him. There's a mm-hmm. lot of back and forth in this movie to like a lot of like comedic effects. Like sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Br- so Brian is in the theater seat watching Farmer Brown Goes to Town. Uh, mm. And you we see the movie screen. And Farmer says to this uh, girl in his like truck, like, no, 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 stay here. Don't go anywhere. And then <laughs> Karen leaves and says, Brian, don't go anywhere. And he looks up and sees us and makes a face at the movie. And I love when that <laughs> happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because later they come back and Brian's gone because he went to help Pete with something. Uh, and the movie is like, now, why didn't you just stay put? there's a a lot of parallels like that that i really enjoyed Uh, yeah and they find that's not just the movie doing the parallels they find out that the phantom is doing these too like he somehow like uh the film for glimpses of genevieve keeps cutting out and what's funny about this is that glimpses of genevieve seems like it's like this is the movie movie mason's trying to get people to see it seems like this is an art house darling and it's the movie theater is filled with all these guys screaming they're so angry when pete comes out trying to apologize they're throwing popcorn at him and i'm like this is like if the audience going to see portrait of a lady on fire was screaming and throwing skittles on you because they're not seeing the lady on fire fast enough like this isn't what this audience would be doing Oh, this is also where he comes out and he says, hi, uh, I'm Pete Riley and the assistant manager. And some guy in the audience goes, what do you want, a medal? Yeah. (laughs) Which which gets a rise out of the the audience. Mm. The Phantom's Uh, doing that. The Phantom somehow wields a giant industrial fan into Cyclone Summer and (laughs) blows everything around. It's a ridiculously overpowered fan. Like, no one would own this fan this powerful. It's it's the fan that Darla Dimple uses to ruin the filming of Little Archangel. Exactly. The very same. 
But yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff going wrong. I think in flood the sprinklers go off. Yeah. Uh, all all kinds of back and forth. I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> nonsense all over the place. Uh, Karen sneaking around. That Brian is sneaking out of the theater to go try and find you know because he hears about the, a phantom and he's like I want in on this. I'm not Farmer Brown. I don't care. I'm here to solve a mystery. There's a cinema sitter, which is an old woman in a smock, who's like the truancy yeah. author. Uh, it's like the truancy officer there to make sure that a kid unaccompanied in a movie stays in their seat. I've never heard of this. Did this couldn't? Is this a real position? Like I don't think so. Maybe in Canada. <laughs> where oh, this is maybe filmed. right. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a fine idea. I just have never seen this before. Yeah, this is for, like, airports. This is for, like, you watch over the unaccompanied minors flying, not going to see a movie for 96 minutes. Man, of all the things that they put in airports to make you, like, waste time, a movie theater is not a bad idea. Oh, yeah. They'd have to keep interrupting it to, like, shout which gates are boarding and things like that. So maybe to show, like, an, a movie that you don't care is repeatedly interrupted. Yeah, it's not one of the ones that you would buy, like, in flight, it's like a classic or something like that. Yeah, it's like you've seen Wizard of Oz enough times that you don't mind that somebody's yelling over it. Exactly. <laughs> they're, you they're, know she gets everyone home there is the falling end. asleep to Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> right, it's an experience we can all take part in. So eventually they figure out that the Phantom... Uh, oh, do we talk about this or do we talk about when they go find Movie Mason's lair? Uh, I want to talk about how, how Sean keeps disappearing. He does, yes. Yeah. So, like, they keep finding him, and then, like, the first time they find him, he's, like, downstairs, and he's tied up, and he's, like, got his, his mouth all taped up. Uh, and then he does one thing and then disappears immediately again. And they find yeah. him, like, hanging on the back of his, uh, on, like, the coat hook on the back of his office door, just tied <laughs> up and, and, like, with a with a blind over his face and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then eventually they're like, so throughout like them solving all these problems, Brian is slowly like trying to put it together. He's like, well, yeah. may- maybe Merle's the bad guy because what's going on with Glenn Sims of Genevieve? Only he could try and mess up this movie and yeah. be the hero that fixes it in the end. That would make him look good. <laughs> and we know and really he owns a giant time. industrial fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, like, really rude to Merle the whole time. Uh, and, and then they see the Phantom hook up, like, a fog machine in the theater, mm-hmm. the same as they're in. Uh, and Brian's like, well, I should get going. <laughs> yeah, Merle is the red herring to Brian's little Fred Jones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they start to wonder if maybe it's movie Mason. Yeah, nobody's seen him in a little while. Uh, he he was mad that you could have been mad that Sean has never taken his job finger quotes seriously. <laughs> his position, and that he, yeah, and he, like he gave him the bow tie and then he removed the bow tie. Like, okay, if you're gonna cause all this nonsense, movie Mason, you can't actually work here. Your your hour of employment is over. <laughs> and Karen and Brian, like they go down into the catacombs of the theater. This building, I'm amazed that you said this was filmed at a tin screen theater because this place seems huge right this and i'm sure like they walk down like a stairwell 
that I'm sure mm. it's the, it's a Hollywood stairwell that's not a real stairwell because they go down <laughs> it like it doesn't 15 function like a real stairwell. No, it's it's uh, you can't go up and down those stairs. They're it's, one it's, direction. They go down. They can't go back up. It's that uh, what's what's that uh, illusion of like just four staircases that all go up. <laughs> oh, it's a Penrose stairs. It's a Penrose staircase, yeah. That they keep in Hollywood for emergencies. <laughs> yeah, somebody's just built a Penrose stairs out in the desert surrounding Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they go down and they try and find mm-hmm. Movie Mason's where he like takes his dinner breaks. Uh, yeah. And it's full of... It's like they walked into a Chevy's, kind of. <laughs> it's full of, like, tchotchkes and, like, a lot of, like, movie memorabilia, like, old It's posters. a Planet Hollywood. Exactly, yeah. It's a Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, full full of all kinds of, like, memorabilia and bric-a-brac. Uh, mm. and they see the, the poster for what? <laughs> no, there's part of this scene is that Karen's, like, Brian... How, do you really think he's not the Phantom of the Megaplex? I mean, look at this. And then she points at a Phantom of the Opera poster like that's evidence. <laughs> and then they transition it like they're looking at it and then the camera pans uh, or like does like a fade and the Phantom mm-hmm. face becomes Movie Mason's face. And he's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> and he does in their like, Brian's like, you, you're not the bad guy, are you? Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, he does a little spiel of like, I could never do anything that would injure the movies that I love kind of stuff. Yeah, he does he it throughout t- the movie where he does like little soapboxes about being in the movies. Yeah, the magic of the movies, you know, he believes in it as this absolute power of good, this yeah. power of wonder. He talks about pirate ships. Bicycles that fly, angels earning their wings, beautiful women marrying handsome men. Uh, I I like how it's a requirement that they both have to be good looking. Like I imagine movie Mason getting invited to a real world wedding. It's like, Mason, how did you enjoy your niece's wedding? And he's like, a groom wasn't that handsome. So I don't know. I was kind of disappointed. Three out of 10 stars. (laughs) Two thumbs down, says Siskel and Ebert. (laughs) <laughs> movie mason is a paladin and his deity is movies <laughs> that's true he's a let's, warrior let's, for them. let's leave the theater briefly and check in with mom because mom went on her hot date with george and the kids were all like mm-hmm. do you think george could be proposing to you tonight they're big fans of george and like they they're having a bad night too. Like they lost their reservation at a restaurant. They go to another restaurant and it's closed for business. So this entire town is just having a time. (laughs) And like, she has this metaphor where she points the flower pots outside the restaurant. And she's like, those flowers are happy in their pots. And it might be good if they were moved into another pot together. But you know, there's nothing really wrong with the pot that they're already in. <laughs> and then, like, Pete calls his mom, and he's like, look, all this nonsense is going down at the theater. I don't have a dinner break. I can't take the kids home. Well, you- I know you're on this date, but can you and George come by and pick them up? And they're going to do that, but, like, the car the car also breaks down. Yeah. <laughs> Everything bad is this- happening. Yeah, this town is a hellscape. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
And like, so she, and this is pre cell phones. Like I think somebody has a beeper and that's it. And the mom is calling the pay phones at the movie theater (laughs) to try and like find, Hey, Karen and Brian are like still waiting for me to pick them up. Right. Tell them I'm sorry. I'm late, but I'll be there soon. And like one of the, I think like, uh, Racy Lacey picks it up and she's like, Oh, hi, yes, I'll go look to see if the kids oh, are still there. You, Mel, Mel, you missed the most important part. I'm getting uh, there, I'm getting there. No, it, it happened get- first. Did it? I have this order of operations backwards. Yeah, yeah, she she rings the phone, uh, and then the ga- same guy from earlier that uh said, What do you want a medal at Pete mm-hmm. picks up the phone and says, City Morgue, uh, which is the first <laughs> time I'd ever heard this joke before. Uh, it was... <laughs> it's iconic it's one yeah. of my favorite bits in the movie the guy really sells it and i love that that it cuts back to mom when there's like a horror movie sting and she looks shocked <laughs> yeah. like she thinks she did call the city more what did i do what's wrong with my kids right and like she <laughs> yeah and like uh then she calls again and like i think Reese Lacey or somebody picks up the phone like one of the kids picks up the phone and then it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go see if they're still there. And they leave the phone, like the payphone dangling off the hook. And then one of the other like employees comes along and is like dusting and like sweeping and like hangs the phone back up to just make the area look nicer. And then there's the same shot of the horror movie music and the mom looks shocked yeah. as the phone goes dead. Like the movie is telling us that she constantly thinks the kids are dead when they cannot be. That can't be it. <laughs> It's such an outsized reaction for just no somebody just hung up the phone. The children are alive. <laughs> you called a pay phone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also happening. Yeah, keep that keep that measure of that mom in your mind for when we see her in the movie later. Yeah. So yeah, a bunch of uh there's more problems keep happening, uh but now the theater is starting to shut down and kind of get ready for the big movie premiere. Uh, uh-huh. so, so they're still trying to get things ready when uh, a woman, co- uh, shows up. I have her name written down. Uh, Mrs. Tori Hicks, uh, walks yes. in and says, Hey, I have a lineup of limos that are all waiting for your doors to open. What's taking so long? And they go and fix more problems. Uh, and then eventually they, uh, show up. Tori Hicks is there with a, with Wolfgang. What is his name? Wolfgang Niedermeyer? Wolfgang Niedermeyer, the owner of the theater, uh, his son-in-law, the waste of sweat, La Monica. <laughs> I, I, for a second, I heard that as in, hey, he he has a waist and it is sweat. <laughs> he is a, he is a bisected man. <laughs> uh, also, this is there... my torso-in-law, La Monica. <laughs> uh, also, there is Tyler Jessamine the director of the the movie that they're showing tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like mm-hmm. a cool Vin Diesel kind of looking guy. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out if he, there's like a particular director he's supposed to be like, maybe uh, it, he's got this British accent and he seems really cool. So I wonder if it's like a guy, Richie. I don't know. He's like a, a he's a bald head with like a suit jacket on over a t-shirt. Cool. Guy. The suit jacket is shiny. Yeah. Very shiny. Uh, so yeah, they eventually get into the lobby. Niedermeyer does all the introductions, gets Sean's name wrong again, and then there's a bunch of balloons that were supposed to like be dropped as a celebration at the end of the night. Uh, but Racy Lacey 
grabs a string that hangs down in front of Ninabar's face, pulls it, and all of them were water balloons, and they splash everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think this is the point where they were like, whatever, let's have... <laughs> whatever, Sean, you're still almost fired. And then they have the kind of red carpet event, and then the mom and George show up, and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we're, 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 tr- we're truly not trying to get into the movie. <laughs> we just want to find our kids. Uh, yeah, and they—I don't think they find him until the very end because, like, it cuts them, and they're like, "Well, I met Lavar Burton, but I couldn't find my kids." Right, like they're wandering around this cocktail hour before the premiere, and Mom says, "I've seen Katie Seagal, I've seen Lavar Burton, I haven't seen one of my kids." Yeah, yeah. just me and the star and director of Smart House just hanging around to this theater <laughs> lobby. That's right, he did direct it too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a nice little drop. Smart House might be up there as another one of my favorite oh, decoms. Yeah. It's probably one of the best. I, d- I don't know if it's one of the best, but it's one of the most memorable and aspirational. Like, yeah. <laughs> we all aspired <laughs> to having the house. <laughs> probably one of the best ones that didn't get sequels, I will say. Yeah, there was never a Smart House too. I mean, what were you going to do? Put another Smart House that they got locked in? God, they should do it now. <laughs> they could i think yeah i think they're all still working so maybe oh my God. Uh, but yeah there's also a scene i want to mention where hillary honey and scary terry are cleaning up a, a bathroom yes uh and there's a nice little cinematic shot of like you can see hillary but you can only see the reflection of scary terry just in mm-hmm. the mirror talking to her which is nice because they're just do- having a nice back and forth about uh, like where, like, why is there a phantom? Why is all this happening? And mm. they hear something in the bathroom, and it's it's Karen's two friends trying to yeah. like stay like stay the wait and just sneak into the movie later. But they catch yeah. them and, and send them out. But like this little nice moment between the two of yeah. them makes me think that they are girlfriends, that they are dating. This is what I think too. And like when they hear that scary noise and they like grab at each other. Yeah, and not in like the yeah. classic like movie like take advantage of the opportunity like they genuinely love each other yes yes they are to what i will protect you yeah, yeah. that's what it is i yeah, i do like that scene i <laughs> i love karen's chaotic friends yeah it's i love the the the, the idea of this couple and it's one is a grandma and and one is uh <laughs> tells urban legends that's a nice that's a nice relationship <laughs> and one of them's the crypt keeper yeah so yeah as, as Karen's friends, ready, uh, so- I just want to mention Karen's friends uh, get kicked out. They do not get to stay for the premiere, but Caitlin and Lisa somehow do get to stay for the premiere. I think Pete had like seats saved somewhere. Like maybe there's yeah. seats in the back for staff members or something. I don't know, but like they get to stay for some reason and they're just wearing like street clothes. They're just yeah. wearing like the year 2000 Capri pants and like a t-shirt with a butterfly on it. And, then, and they're in the theater for this Hollywood premiere with people in gowns. Yeah. And nobody like, questions this. So like we cut to the theater where they're showing the movie. What's it called? Move Midnight Madness? Madness. Midnight. Mayhem. Midnight Mayhem. Midnight Mayhem. It started uh, as a movie, but now it's real. <laughs> Yeah, at one point that that trailer is cycling through and stuck God, playing in the theater, and it's now I mean, it's stuck in our heads. God, the trailer 
is just uh, like a background of flames and a devil head, like sh- shouting these things and laughing. And the plot of the movie itself, we get so few details, but it seems like it's about a dinosaur that gets loose and like it corners all these kids in a high school gym. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like Brian needs to like look up because they're trying to figure out what the Phantom's going to do next. So like, oh, if he's copying what the movies are doing, what is he going to yeah. do for Midnight Madness? Mm. Uh, what is it? Is it Midnight Madness? Midnight Mayhem. Midnight okay. Mayhem. And he's like, we'll go on one of these, Midnight Mayhem. We'll go on one of these websites that that spoil the movie and figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> and it says that they suck all the air out of the gym. And they're like, I don't yeah, know how he's going to do that. Gets, the dinosaur gets so large, he sucks the air out of the gym like he displaces all air yeah that's (laughs) how air works he he smothers them i don't know also pete is like there's sites on the internet where you can find out about a movie before it comes out they don't just call me and ask me (laughs) he's he's shocked about this and like karen and brian are like yes spoiler sites pete get with it we all know these we we all know the illegal sites. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, big on ain't it cool news. Uh, so they're like, I don't know how they how he's gonna do that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the they somehow they end up on the roof because the oh because the like the dinosaur the big inflatable dinosaur is missing. Yeah, and they go up there and they have like a nice sibling moment, all three of them, and they do a yeah. hug. And the phantom takes advantage of that and drops a big like blanket over them, like a big mm. black bag, and ties it around their waists and leaves them there. Just <laughs> why us three kids never group hug? Because what if that happens to us? <laughs> We're also in the middle of a pandemic. We can't group hug. Right now. <laughs> There's many reasons to be afraid of a group hug. Yeah, they're all tied up and like wiggling around as like a heap, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> with a good heap yeah so while that's happening while they're trying to wriggle themselves free downstairs at the theater room where everyone's watching it uh oh we skipped over the um the red carpet bit i just want to say there is a brief red carpet outside and, oh, and movie mason is just wandering around singing hooray for hollywood and everybody is entranced uh every yeah, photographer every- is paying attention to him yeah it's not just like the, the the staff at this theater that loves Movie Mason. The town loves Movie Mason. Like while they're walking in, everyone's <laughs> saying hi to him. He's like yeah. a local celebrity and Sean hates him. <laughs> Sean's the only one that hates this man that everyone God, I wish loves. that's how he was introduced. This is Movie Mason. He's a local celebrity and Sean hates him. Pretty much. <laughs> but we meet the, the starlet of the film, Madison Ashley Metz. And she she comes out and she like immediately goes to hug movie Mason like he's my date, you know, sort of playfully like he like she would go to the movie theater all the time as a girl aspiring to be an actress. And it was like movie Mason that encouraged her. She looks at him like he's her grandpa. So they sort of walk in arm in arm. There is I want to point out there's some reporter in the red carpet line who yells at Madison Ashley Metz, who designed your dress? But she's wearing a jumpsuit. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a famous dress she always gets asked this i just like this continuity mistake that bugged me i thought it was funny 
So yeah, that happens. Sean gets egg on his face because mm. he's about to yell at Movie Mason. And then Madison like taps him on the shoulders like, uh, excuse me, it's me, a celebrity. Please move. <laughs> Please move and stop assaulting my grandpa. Uh-huh. But yeah, end of the movie, we're at the theater. They're about to watch the movie. And mm-hmm. something happens. I think someone, oh, they're doing the like beginning director is like Tyler Jessamine is talking about thank you so much. This is what happened. This is why we're about to watch the movie. And then he looks up and above on the balcony, uh, there's this like shot where it's, it's the dragon, like the dinosaur that was supposed to be on top of the building. It's a reverse inflation scene. So (laughs) (laughs) what they probably filmed was the dinosaur hanging off of the balcony and then getting deflated and pulled back. But they played that in reverse. So it's like a weird a weird inflation moment yes. where it's like growing and like reaching over the balcony and it lands with its like jaws on top of Tyler Jessamine, like it's hook. Um, <laughs> oh no. Engulfed. <laughs> uh, and they go to like run out to the sides, but there's two big monkeys. There's, there's a, a he monkey and a she monkey. Uh, yeah. They look like uh, the inflatables that you would see outside of a car dealership during yeah. like, Toyotathon, yeah, Honda days, blocking. any of the high holidays, Honda days, Toyotathon, they're uh, they're blocking the exits and they're trying to push through. Eventually, Pete, Karen, and Brian break free of their bonds mm-hmm. and go down to try and stop them, but they can't get in. So Pete is like, "Well, I." <laughs> they go up onto the balcony to see what's happening, and the balcony's empty, which is like a bad idea yeah. if you're doing a national movie release and our red carpet right event. and and, the, and they told donnie holly no we can't let you into the theater it's sold out there's no more seats there there's are a full empty balcony like i get that you don't want donnie holly around but you were lying you were lying to this man pete so he's like well i gotta slay that dragon so he goes and he gets the sword uh well, well, turns, he's turns it to- off yeah, he's trying to tug it out, and then Merle's around, and he's like, oh, you're never going to get it that way. Here, I'll just, like, turn it, hit the off switch, like, keeping the sword in the stone. <laughs> then you can just pull it out easy. Yeah. And then he, like, jumps off the balcony. And this is the first time we see Mom seeing her kids again. And she's yeah. smiling, like, oh, I was worried about my kids dying, but there goes my eldest jumping off of a balcony onto an inflated <laughs> dinosaur with a sword. It's good to see him. Yeah. <laughs> he survived this far. I guess he'll be okay. I'm so proud like he, of him. He slays the dinosaur and then the phantom. And when we see the phantom, it's just a guy with like, you know, a, a blank white face mask and like a big billowy black cloak. Mm. And like he's swirling around the theater. And then like Pete chases him behind the projector screen. There's room and light back there. So you can see the silhouette of him like yeah, attempting I, to sword fight the phantom. The audience loves this. The audience yeah, I, is enraptured by this adventure. I love a silhouette sword fight or a silhouette. Yeah. Any kind of silhouette fight. Yes. Uh, it's always a great bit. Mm-hmm. So he uh d- d- he gets him. He he gets the phantom. The phantom is unmasked. And who is it? <gasps> it's Sean McGibbon. <laughs> the man who kept suspiciously disappearing and who very <laughs> clearly has a vendetta against the owner of the movie theater. 
He was doing everything he could to make sure it went wrong because he didn't get the recognition he deserved. And he kept tying mm-hmm. himself up somehow uh, and putting a Incredibly skilled. Yeah, <laughs> incredibly skilled. And so he's, uh, Niedermeyer start, goes off and lists, he's, he starts calling him by the wrong name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls him, uh, Mc, I have it written down, McGreevy, McCarthy, and McNall. And he's like, you'll never work in this town again. You'll never work in this state again in any movie theater anywhere. And in the state? No, he stops at the state. Like, that's as big as his jurisdiction is. <laughs> he can go to the next state over and I guess, you know, get a manager job there. He may be man of the year, but he's not all powerful. <laughs> he's allowed one state. Every, like, they started alphabetically. Like, the guy, the first, the man of the year, the first year the magazine existed. It's like, okay, you get Alabama. Like, whatever we're going to go down, everybody gets jurisdiction over one state. Yeah, he's Ohio man of the year. Yeah. Uh, or wherever it is this movie is set. I don't think we really know. It, eh, Canada. <laughs> You're Canada yeah, man of the year. Manada of the year. <clears throat> so Niedermeyer is chewing him out. McGibbon's like, this is, you never knew my name. You gave this to LaMonica, that waste of sweat mm. LaMonica. Uh, <laughs> and Tyler Jessamine... So he like storms out and Tyler Jessamine chases after him. It's like, hey, uh, how about this? I make a new movie all about you. And he says, it's like Phant- Phantom of the Megaplex, the Sean McGibbon story. He's like, come to Hollywood. We'll be partners. Now go get me coffee and, and meet me in the theater. And Sean has this face <laughs> of like, uh, it's, I guess this is better than my other situation. I guess I'll go to Hollywood and be this guy's lackey. I should does Sean deserve legal action against him? I think it's odd that the only consequence is that he is fired from his job. Uh, Niedermeyer does say that he should have him arrested for malicious mischief is what he says, (laughs) which is not a real crime. (laughs) I don't believe so. No. Then I guess like what, uh, what did he do really? Um, He dropped a bunch of water balloons on some celebrities uh, he put a big fan in a theater. <laughs> he repeatedly tied himself up, but not anybody else. Yeah, maybe nothing he did tonight was illegal. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to watch this with an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> so so Niedermar uh, goes up to Pete and says, "Well, there there goes the manager. How about you be manager now?" And Pete says, well, that, oh, yes, absolutely, that would be amazing. And then he looks over at his family and he's like, but I'm going to have to turn you down. And Niedermar gets this face on about him. He's like, how dare you? Why would you do this? And he's like, I need some time to myself. I'm a teenager. I can't be in a, man- a manager. Yeah, right he's like, now. you can't make me the, <laughs> you can't make him the senior manager. He's not even a senior in high school. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Pete's exa- Pete says, Actually, I think after all this, I deserve a night off. And Edomara's like, you do, do you? Well, I think so, too. And gives him <laughs> 50 bucks out of his pocket. He's like, go take your girlfriend to breakfast on me. Uh, which is a nice <laughs> turnaround for this this guy that Sean hated. Yeah, what is, a pleasant ending for Wolfgang Niedermeyer. And an appropriate amount of money. I like that that's 
Like they didn't give him an obnoxious cartoonish amount of money. Like, look what a rich man I am. I don't know how much breakfast is. It's like, no, a a nice date breakfast for two people about 50 bucks would cover it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's enough for uh, for (laughs) both plus tip probably. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that's not the only successful ending for a couple. George is so inspired by everything that happens this night that he's like, they love all this family togetherness and I consider myself part of your family. And he's like, Julie, I get what you were trying to say earlier about the plants. Like he gets down on one knee and he's like, I, now I don't have a ring because I just did this on the spur of the moment. And Movie Mason pops up like, oh, pardon me, sir. I keep a movie prop on me for just such an occasion. Please take this costume jewelry ring out of my pocket. <laughs> so Pete gets to take Caitlin to breakfast and uh, <laughs> the mom and George are getting married, presumably to later buy a real ring. <laughs> I mean, maybe. We'll see. And yeah, that's uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. It's, I think it's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen this one before, check it out. It really, it's got a great pace. A lot happens in it. I don't think there are any slow parts. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's it's pretty like beat to beat. There's a lot of action in it. A lot of things happen. Uh, it's about an hour and a half. So you typical know, it's DCOM, DCOM length. Size. Yeah. But yeah, overall, pretty, pretty good. Would recommend. Uh, one of the more obscure yeah, I, ones that I, I think everyone, sh- more people should see. I would love for them to return to this now that theater technology has advanced. I would love to see a new Phantom. It's like uh, Sean McGibbon's son, nephew, or somebody. It's like a James Bond Jr. scenario where it's his nephew, but he's named Junior after him. (laughs) Uh, And he's he's taking control. He's sabotaging a D-Box theater and like the seats are shaking everyone around too hard. They're spraying unpleasant scents. It's just a guy standing next to a red box and every time you start the movie, <laughs> he slaps it out of your hand and says, no. He's wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. He's a phantom. He's a ghost. It's an actual ghost this time. Phantom of the red box. God, I would love, I would love if some streaming service like Netflix or something had a phantom option that I could turn on around Halloween and that phantom would interrupt my movie with various mischief. (laughs) I would willingly sign up to have a movie interrupted (laughs) by a phantom. Hey, Netflix, get at us. (laughs) Yeah, Mel, this was uh, your pick. Uh Uh-huh. Are are you ready for uh, what we're watching in the next couple weeks? Yeah. So we have, we've kind of touched on old anime cartoons a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's time we start digging a little deeper into Saturday morning anime like cartoons. Uh Uh-huh. Mel, we're watching Fighting Foodons next time. I knew it was going to be Fighting Foodons or maybe Moncoli Nights. I, well, Fighting Foodons is the season one is on Amazon Prime, so oh, that's helpful. Yeah, we're watching episode one, seven, and thirteen of season one, picked solely okay. based on their names and not from how much I remember the show. Okay, yeah, I do not remember any specific episode or anything beyond the theme song anymore. Yeah, not at all. It'll be, it'll be very entertaining to look back at these. But yeah, so that'll be in the next couple weeks. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys would like to recommend shows for us to watch, you can reach us at Gmail, email us SaturdayMOPod at gmail.com. You can tweet us at SaturdayMOPod. Uh, if you would like to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at James Wilk. I am at WilkyWit on Twitter and Instagram. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And you can listen to my other podcasts on the Whatnots collection of podcasts. I do a media recap show uh, every week on a, sh- a feed called The Review Show. We do a little bit of everything, a movie, a TV season, a couple volumes of a comic book. I'm on The Captain's Log, which is a weekly nonsense chat show we do a little bit of pop culture news we play games we share anecdotes we just recorded an episode where we ate a bunch of uh interesting japanese kit kat flavors which i hope is an intriguing listen as a podcast concept i hope it's not just like a lot of chewing and like rapper noises (laughs) what was your favorite flavor i don't know if i should say that might be a spoiler alert oh do you have to tune in and find out yeah, yeah, that's the, the episode goes so many places. There are true surprises in our package of Japanese Kit Kats. Uh, and we have a feed called the Reactor Core, where we cover brand new exciting things. You know, Kyle likes to call them spoiler casts. Uh, and right now we're doing an episode every week for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. By the time you hear uh, this episode, I guess we'd be getting ready to cover cover Loki every week. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see when this comes out. Um. Yeah, If you guys would like to help the show in any way, aside from giving us recommendations of things to watch, if you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or any whatever podcatcher you use, send us a screenshot of that five-star iTunes review or whatever review. We'll read it on the show. But also it helps people find the show, and it's just a genuine help for us. Uh, but yeah, that would yeah. be super appreciated. A pleasant surprise in our days. So thanks for joining us this week. Relax, kick back. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Oh, this is so frustrating. I call the theater and all I get is this pre-recorded laundry list of options, none of which lead to a human being. I call the box office and all I get is show times. Wait a sec. Does your beeper have a callback function? If Pete called from the lobby earlier, the number should still be in memory. Oh, 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 oh! City morgue. Hello? On the bench? Oh, the blue bench. Um, hold, hold on, I'll check. Uh, it's, it's empty. Me. Oh, my name. Uh, I'm Mark Jeffries. Oh, oh, hello, Mrs. Riley. Um, no, I haven't seen Pete. You want me to, to find out where he is? Um, okay, could, could you hold on? Okay, um, hold on. <laughs>